Hi guys, Rob here, podcast editor for EveryMind. Today, Paul interviews Steve Carpenter, founder of Heart HR. With over 20 years experience in HR, Steve gives some amazing tips on how and why communication is everything. If you think EveryMind at Work could help your business, then head over to everymindatwork.com. If you found this episode valuable, don't forget to share with a friend and leave us a review on iTunes. As ever, enjoy the show. So, Steve, welcome to the Every Mind at Work podcast. How are you? Thank you. Yeah, very good. Thanks. Yeah, how are you? Doing well, doing well. We're just catching up about saying there's not enough time in the day and how, uh, how we're both quite busy at the moment, but we can't complain, right? And, uh, no, absolutely not. Not at all. Obviously, uh, it's a difficult time for everyone, I think, and everyone, everyone has their own challenges. So, certainly, uh, no complaints from my side. So I'm looking forward to this interview. Obviously, you've got a lot of experience um, sort of in the HR space. Also, yeah. kind of, you know, looks like we share a lot of sort of similar values in terms of being open, honest, you know, kind and, and looking at almost the workplace in a different way. So really kind of looking forward to sort of, you know, hearing some of your insight. But can we just start by um, what do you currently do today? What's what's the Steve of today? Yeah, so um, I've actually um, set up my own uh, HR consultancy, Hearts HR. Um, uh, hearts after Hertfordshire, um, which is where I live, and it's just um, helping uh, small businesses and uh, the MDs basically of small businesses um, with any of their their particular HR issues. Um, I, I like to uh, have some of the focus on on well-being aspects and and creating good good environments for for people to work in. But uh, basically, just help, helping out um, SMEs with, with, with any of their either offering HR support or advice and um, uh, you know, or, or setting up an HR department for them. Nice. And and how did you before you obviously become or started your own consultancy? What was you doing before that? So I worked um, too many years that uh, I've given away my age now. But for twenty years, I worked in like in the corporate world of HR. And um, so worked across an, a number of businesses. I started started off in the healthcare sector, private healthcare sector, and um, always done HR. Um, but um, then, then moved down to London and uh, did a, a nine-month stint at uh, lastminute.com on a contract role. Uh, and then I moved into uh, financial services, so HR within financial services. So initially banking with Lehman Brothers um, and for obvious reasons left there in 2008 um, with, with the collapse of the bank and then, and then um, moved into the world of online trading um, and again doing HR there for for 11 and a half years and that was on a global basis so I spent a year in Sydney Australia um so yeah wide what what wide variety of experience across the the whole HR spectrum to be honest nice and it sounds like a lot of those you know jobs were almost bigger organizations and obviously now sort of working with SMEs what's what's the kind of differences that you've seen in terms of you know their organizational structure but also their approach to well-being is it is it different in your opinion um, I think, yeah, I, I definitely think that there is. Um, I just think in general, that, uh, there's, a, there's a, a change in, in, in approach to well-being. So in, in terms of bigger companies and, and smaller companies, I think that the offering is, is, is the, the biggest change um, because some of the SMEs simply can't afford to, to offer the, the, or, you know, the, 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 the huge um, well-being packages and services that, that the bigger corporations can offer. However, I certainly do find that SMEs tend to um, they they tend to offer more uh, a, you know a, a kind of a, a more caring and, and personalised service 
Whereas as, as a rule, um, uh, the larger companies will partner with big brokers uh, and get get the, deal, the deals through them. Yeah, so really good. Like you say, it's in, important to look at it like that because a lot of SMEs, you know, we work with some SMEs as well. They they look at like the big the big companies and they say they've got all these bells and whistles and we can't compete. But actually, like you've said, actually a personal approach looking at our employees, how can we make them feel valued? How can we, you know, offer flexibility? How can we take that personal approach for an SME point of view? It's not about the bells and whistles, is it? It's not about the the products that you've got. It's more about, you know, the overall culture of the business and SMEs can obviously benefit from that. hundred percent, hundred percent agree. And, um, and certainly from that side as well, it's, um, it, it can be a case of, it's a lot easier for that change and you know, the more personalized approach to happen within SMEs. Um, you know they can be very flexible on the, on their offering, and as you mentioned, it's not it's not all about cost. So it, you know you, you mentioned about creating a good company culture that doesn't necessarily involve cost. For an SME, it's a lot easier to offer greater flexibility, different hours, um, you know, and and that's a, a lot easier to do in my in my opinion. I mean, it's not that it shouldn't be done in, in across all organisations, but for SMEs, I think that's their attraction and their advantage that. You know they can do that, and it can be a, that a, a, you know a lot more personalised approach. But it doesn't have to cost. You don't have to implement huge well-being strategies that are going to cost you know fortunes. That there's some very good free resources, and I just think more so than ever, it's just about um, managing the the kind of being open and, and honest about your approach to it, um, and and so everyone feels comfortable. Um, discussing it if they have an issue, you know, raising it and saying, look, I, I'm going to need some help. I might need some time off. Um, how can you support me? Um, and it, again, that doesn't need to be, that support doesn't need to be, uh, we'll offer you, um, you know, a, a very expensive counselling service or what have you. It might be they just, you know, they just need a little bit of time off to, to sort things out in their personal lives or, or something. So again, it, it doesn't have to involve huge costs. Mm, yeah and it's kind of like you say you know for the big organizations are almost it's hard to get out of that one size fits all kind of approach but when you're sort of in an, in an SME you know you can kind of take that almost individual approach as well um but yeah Steve you, you definitely don't look old enough to have worked 20 years in, in HR right yeah, I, you're being but, very kind there you're being very kind <laughs> I certainly but, feel it <laughs> but especially yeah I suppose after the last year as well but in terms of you know you know from from the work that we do we work with a lot of hr um professionals in sort of you know they're, they're kind of looking at well-being and their mental health strategy but you know definitely i've seen from an outsider is is how stretched and overwhelmed and exhausted hr has been in the last year because of obviously for obvious reasons but you know think back to like 20 years ago right you know what's the kind of differences that you've seen in sort of hr from when you first started in into now yeah i mean Although um, you know the, the the last twelve months have been so so challenging for everyone, and there's so many sad stories coming out of it, and difficult stories, and so you know it, I, I don't want to say it, it's been a, a positive period because it's it's certainly just been so you know it has been so difficult. However, from from an actual HR point of view, I think HR as a as a function has been really elevated, you know, and their role that they can play and the value they can add. You know, I think it, it has really helped HR f- from that side. And I think the appreciation of what they can do from the business. Um, so 20 years ago, it was, 
very much seen more as a, a an administrative function. Um, but uh, again, I think you know the the just general approach to work with just doing more work. The more you can do, the, the better. Certainly, you know, when I was at, at at Lehman Brothers, it was a case of you can't be the first to leave, mm. and and people were, were working there or, and staying there all night uh, within companies, um, and and that was you know the long hours culture existed throughout the HR team too, and I, I just think certainly over the um, the past 12 months, I mean, there's been a gradual change anyway, I believe, but it, it really comes sort of four over the past 12 months or so around um, you know, d- different um, different characteristics that are important. So leading with empathy, creating an environment of trust and and really focusing on, on um, and realising the importance of um, well-being and you know, you mentioned before about creating the right culture, and that certainly, I think, is a shift from my side where um, HR have been pu- pushing that for for a long period of time. I think, and but I don't believe it's you know it, it's ever been as important and accepted by businesses as being as important as it is now. Yeah, it's a really good point of of looking at it as well. You know, it's been a tough year, but it has definitely sort of shared a bit of enlightenment about you know how much hr actually do and and when 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 stuff like this happens right it's everyone kind of looks at hr and says what are we doing here and and you know i always kind of make the joke when it comes to mental health and well-being that you know businesses have have seen it as such this this simple thing that we can all cure right and and the way that they do that is they they look at someone in hr and they say hey staff morale is down can you do something about it right and and their hr are sort of you know it's hard enough managing our own mental health let alone then every single employee that we have to kind of you know do as well as all of the other stuff that we have to do in hr too so it's definitely as you say accelerated almost um the awareness around how important hr is um and yeah, I'm, I'm guessing it must have been massively different 20 years ago, right? Yeah, yeah, very much. So as I say, um, and it, it, what you mentioned there, I think a, a key point is is better prevention is better than cure. And I know it's a yeah, it's it's, it's a well known saying, but I really do do think that. And I think there's a really good opportunity for HR now to to push some really good initiatives around well-being, around you know, creating a, a really open culture and really driving some um, some key characteristics, you know, as I mentioned before, leading with trust, leading with empathy, leading with optimism, um, you know, and really pushing those at a moment ahead of, uh, rather than in a, in a reactive way, to start doing it more proactive as we, you know, start to ease out of lockdown, and which is going to create, you know, very much its own chances as well. Mm, yeah, and I'm guessing from from your perspective as, a consultant and kind of working with the MDs directly and owners, um, you know, what's been their biggest challenge, you know, over this last year and and what's their kind of biggest challenges now that you're seeing across the board? Yeah, I think initially that the biggest challenge uh, overnight really was that to move the whole of their company to, to remote working. Yeah. So I think, you know, that created its own challenges and, and certainly for, from an HR point, but um, in, in terms of, you know, challenges for the business more so from an HR point because there's obviously aspects like IT and what have you being set up, um, which is vital for, for for things to work. But for, for, for certainly from an HR point, I think you know there's some really uh, really big challenges like um, have you trained your line managers? Uh, you know how to to manage their teams remotely, and you know 
how how are people ensuring their well-being you know how do you communicate within the business and and really keep the company culture going when everyone is you know remote and um, there's so many new challenges the the boundaries between personal life and work life are, are so blurred at the moment I think and you know for, for many people and, and and how do you manage that in in, in the right way uh, and keep the you know keep the businesses going because there's, there's other big challenges such as do you need to put people on furlough and um, you know and and all of the, the the rules that are changing and the law is changing all the time and um, so just keeping on, to, on top of that is, is very difficult and I think you know everyone is doing doing the best they can but there's certainly some some big challenges around around that, and um, really just to helping everyone manage the, 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 the whole change over the past, the, well, the constant change over the past problems. Yeah, it's, it's you know as you were just talking, I was just thinking about like what we've done, and you know we launched just before this all happened, and we we gave away a six month free trial to our platform, and sort of worked with you know hundred or companies on that. We did a I did a video about you know working from home, productivity, you know being productive while working from home. Then we did a guide about dealing with the extended lockdown and all of that seemed like such this distant memory. Yeah. And then, you know, just before this call, I'm talking to my team about creating some free value in terms of, you know, and content around the emotions that employees are going to deal with and experience when we're going back to work. Right. And and it's kind of, as you say, you just made me realize it's just never ended. Right? It's like, there's always seems to be another challenge or, you know, something else we've got to focus on. And, and that can be overwhelming and, and daunting for, for HR and business owners as well. So, you know, working with, I guess, people like you who, who's got that experience and got that knowledge to almost take it away from them in a way must have been massively helpful for them during this time. Yeah, certainly. And, you know, um, I, I think I mentioned before that it was, it was a big opportunity for HR. And I, and I certainly, you know, I, I certainly believe that is the case. And it's a, it's a case of really... Um, you know, it, it is a difficult time for everyone. So to, to be able to help, and that goes from the MD of a business, mm-hmm. you know, right the way through to, to all the employees. So um, really being able, able to help them manage that change and going through the, the, the change process. And I really think from that side, you know, having the empathy and because suddenly we're seeing people in sitting in their living rooms and you know, senior managers, you know, employees are seeing senior managers, Seeing their houses, their more personal life. They, you know, the, the as we all know, there there's I think they're called Zoom bombs, where the, you've got children or animals coming into the picture. But I, I think that side of it has has really helped. It's really personalised the um, the approach and, and and helped the culture from that side. But um, and I think it's it, it's creating a, an environment of of trust and a culture of trust that. Uh, you know, you mentioned about the culture before, where people aren't afraid to make mistakes because people are going to make mistakes because there's so much, so many changes, so much, so much challenge. But I think if if everyone, I like to see good intent in everyone, and, and if everyone is doing things with the right intentions and and looking to support, and people are open and honest and, enough to say it's not working, we we don't believe it's working, and and that comes back to you know managers having regular check-ins with their teams and. And having, you know, put, put, putting aside time to have personal check-ins. So we've got a check-in on Monday morning. What, you know, are we talking about work now? Just how was your weekend? Yeah, how did everything go? Is everything all right with your family? You know, um, or if you're living on your own, you know, how, how are things going? And, and just having a, a much more more personal chat and, and making sure everyone, you know, everyone's okay from that side and keeping the, the, 
keeping your employees happy and the people in the business happy is is the most important thing at the moment yeah i love that and yeah it's it's something that we've you know helped companies with as well because you know i kind of say if, if, if me and you're in the office right and i would walk past and say hey steve how was your weekend and you'd tell me and i'd walk off and i'd go get a coffee and i'd come back and that'd be it but but no one is is i wouldn't message you and say hey steve do you want to jump on a one minute zoom so i can ask you how your weekend was and then yeah. and disconnect so like you said there's almost have have to there almost has to be personal responsibility whether you're a manager or not to to check in with with other employees and just ask them how they are and you know ask them how they're doing because we've lost that disconnection those kind of you know coffee those water cooler moments when you can you can just have a conversation with someone and just check in with them so it's it's really really kind of you know important that you said that and and something that needs to still be encouraged as you say when you go back to the the workplace as well to make sure that you know people are checking in with each other regularly as well yeah and i think um one of the the key areas that that i've been helping uh, companies with is around employee engagement as well so it's just as you say keeping employees engaged but it's not a straightforward, straightforward process with everyone suddenly moving remotely, you know, and, and how do you do that? And, you know, how often is too often? And I, I know initially um, there, were, there were things, people were setting up like Zoom calls and saying, right, we'll have a pizza night tonight and um, it'll all be great. And then some employees were saying, I, I don't want to eat in, in front of the cat. I'm not comfortable eating in front of other people. And, you know, and so it was a case of they're trying to do the right thing. It's not working for everyone. And, and then, I, I think from from my side, it's just looking at it and saying, you know, put put things out there that that they can help everyone get people's feedback. What do they enjoy? What don't they enjoy? What do they want? And and teams are going to be different, and that's where the the more personalised approach will come in. Some there may be some teams who you know want to do group group meetings. Some teams want to do one to one. Some teams you know that they like the pizza night idea, and and others that you know. Just, you know, want to take a different approach to that, and and it's that's all fine. Every everyone has their own uh, their own ways of, of dealing with with, with um, matters, and you know, and how they get the best out of it. And I think that training the line managers to to be able to support people as such um, is key. Yeah, yeah, it's funny because I was gonna. This is going to be the next question, Steve. So I'm glad you went onto the subject of engagement because. Um, you know, a lot of the work that, that I do and we do is, 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 is exactly as you've said, you know, how many times has companies guessed what their employees want? And when you're looking at mental health, it's, oh, I know what they'll like. They'll like a yoga session and we'll do a yoga session and everyone will love it. And, you know, or we'll train some mental health first aiders and then that will be the solution. And as you said, there's, there's very little two-way conversations between the organization and the employees. So as you've said, as that prime example, you know, those pizza sessions may be really valuable and great for some employees, for others, it's not going to be, but it's like trying a lot and seeing what works, learning from it, listening to employees and then continuing to do more. And, and this is definitely I think this pandemic has has caused issues of engagement, but also has allowed employers to try a little bit more, you know, almost be a little bit more flexible, like we'll do it on Zoom. They've got to almost think outside the box, right? But yeah. what have you seen that's been effective in terms of um, engaging with employees? I think there's a number of points. In, and the first point is you can't over-communicate. So, yeah, yeah. 
it's it's just you know p- people might not want um to have individual one to ones all the time and, and that's fine again that's where where you mentioned you you get the feedback but one thing I've always stressed is that you can't communicate too much. If, you, if you're sitting there thinking, should I send another business update out? Yes, you should. You know, it's not, you don't need to think about that. People want, you know, people want to know and, and people, you know, want to know what's available. I, you mentioned about the difference between big companies and small companies earlier, but I know so, so often that these big companies had fantastic offerings and some fantastic support mechanisms, but the employees didn't know about it and the companies assumed that everyone knew. Yeah. And, and it was a case of, well, yeah, we, we do have a healthcare offering, but did you also know the healthcare offering offered these additional points? You get you know, free cinema tickets, you can get um, money off uh, Amazon or money off, you know, all, all these diff- different areas. Um, but people didn't, weren't aware of it and they weren't aware of the, the, the different offerings. So certainly, from uh, your know, engagement has has never been more more important. I don't think, and and again, um, I think p- people who are maybe worried to try something new. I agree with what you said that it's it's become a lot more um, relaxed around that. And I think again, that comes partly down to to trust, and partly down to not being afraid to to make mistakes because everyone is learning all the time. So so that they're, they're companies are very open to saying well we'll try anything we just want to keep everyone engaged um and i also think not physically being there keeps the engagement at the forefront of your mind whereas if you're in the office all day things are getting very busy and when you're seeing someone every day you know, oh, we don't need to have a catch-up because i see him every day anyway when actually mm. you probably do or, you know you should be having those catch-ups but without actually seeing people all the time i think it drives that a bit more and and highlights the importance of having those catch-ups yeah i love that that you you you, you know you can't over communicate because you know i hear it a lot with mental health it's well we sent two emails this year about mental health and no one replied and um i always question that i'm like it, it takes a lot for someone to reply to a mental health email, right? Because when you're looking at stigma of mental health, you're looking at the complexity of it, you're looking at everything else, you know, it doesn't mean that people are going to reply. But but what I've learned by, by talking about mental health is that one email could help someone and they might not even reply. You know, it might really, really cause them to to think about something or to take an action or to know that their staff value their mental health. And that communication has done that for them, but you'll never know about that because they haven't told you, but it still has that impact. So like you said, when it comes to communication, like one thing that we we do with all of our clients is send them communications to send out throughout the year, you know, like 12, 15, 20 pieces of content at webinars, everything for the whole year around mental health and wellbeing. And whether you use it or not, it's fine. It's up to you. But it's just important that, as you say, you can have tools, you can have wellbeing initiatives, but if you haven't got engagement and communication, they're just a waste of money, right? And it's important that you kind of focus there. So um, yeah, really love that tip. And I guess, like you said, as the company gets bigger, almost engagement becomes more difficult as well. Yeah, yeah, but, but more important, yeah, at the same time. Yeah. Yeah, I think what, what you say, there's, I still believe that there is a stigma around uh, mental health and talking about mental health. And a lot of people say men are the worst at it. And I'm, I'm probably a big culprit myself, so you know I take that on board. But um, it's it certainly you know the, the more you communicate, I believe, the more it becomes 
kind of easier to, to, to talk about and and you know and as, as I mentioned before you can't over communicate about it so if, if it's out there all the time and and managers lead by example you know that they, they act as role models and they say you know how's your weekend and rather than just say oh it's fine it can be a case of well actually it wasn't a great weekend you know it was really tough it was challenging I found it hard and everyone has their down times I think during this so um you know, just making that sort of you know to say look it's fine to say this mm-hmm. you know and um but also again commu- when you mentioned about the communication and regular communication I think it's so important to have the the regular communication um to say what is available here's all the resources and as you say you may never know people use them uh, depending on, on, on what data you can collect on it but th- there's lots of free resources out there that people can use um, for, 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 for different things so yeah I, I just think it is, it is so important and um, from, from a mental health point of view rolling out one well-being day a year you know th- th- that's not your, your your mental health strategy and it's not managing it effectively and you know and, and helping people as such and um, I, I one thing I have done during during lockdown is increase the number of podcasts I listen to Nice. And I was listening to um, listening to one the other day, and one company I actually hadn't heard of this, and it, it, it may be more common, but um, I just thought it was a great great way of doing it. Um, is that they have um, a free counselling service for all employees, um, and when you when you start, you're auto enrolled, and but it's opt out, nice. so you can opt out, and, and that's absolutely fine. There's absolutely no pressure on anyone to do it. But to try and take some of the stigma of it away, everyone is automatically enrolled in it. Like so that. then if someone goes, oh, I'm going to a counselling session, it's not someone saying, oh, did you sign up for that? They're like, no, no, no. You know, it's just the, the one that's offered. So I thought I'd take it. And because uh, you know, the, the, the effects um, on people, you know, the, the causes, and, and I don't know the, uh, you know, I'm no expert on on um, mental health and what have you but you know the, the reported causes can be financial they can be you know personal professional there's lots of so many different things so people can say yeah I've got you know I'm seeing the counsellor and um, other people are saying well it could be about anything you know it could be about finances or, or what have you but because everyone's auto enrolled it's not a shock if someone says I'm going they're saying well I'm taking up the, the option of the, the free offer that I've been given. Yeah I love that so it's a good way of looking at it and very similar to kind of the way I see it is, is, is we talk about like the, the funnel free pillars, which is promote, provide, protect and protect is, you know, your counseling, your EAP, but typically you've only got a small minority of people that go there when they're in crisis. Right. You know, yeah. you know same, same with me, my own journey. Um, you know, you wait until you're in that sort of rock bottom point before you say, hold on, I think I need to go and speak to someone. But actually when you're looking at the stigma, the promote stage, if I said to a colleague, I'm going to see a counselor, I'm, you know, speaking to someone, then there's going to be that, that shift of judgment, whether there is or not, because, you know, oh, I'm the only one using this counselor, none of my colleagues are. So, so when you actually flip that, as you've said, and counselling or therapy becomes more of a proactive strategy rather than a reactive strategy, it then becomes more normalised. Like you say, you know, I kind of always joke about therapy. I'm a big, big advocate for therapy now, but you know, in the UK in particular, we only see therapy as you only go there when you're broken. So like if, if you said to me, I'm going to see a therapist, I'd be like, well, what's wrong, Steve? You know, is, is everything okay? And, and automatically it's what's, what's happened. Whereas now I see therapy as personal training for the mind, right? This, 
this is the biggest threat to my life as a man under 45. And I'm sure you know that. So, you know, going to see a therapist is, is personal training. It's like, I want to make sure that I'm staying on top of that. So I really love that approach of, of normalizing counseling in an organization. Yeah. And again, on, on some of the podcasts I've listened to, I've, I've, I've heard so many business people saying, you know, successful, really successful entrepreneurs or sports people. And they've all said, you know, um, they, they, they went to therapy because they hit rock bottom. Mm. Whereas, the, and they were like, now they continue doing it. And they have people um, speaking to them saying, oh, you know, are you still going to therapy? Is a thing still an issue? And like, no, you know, it's, they're no longer an issue. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm in a much, much better place now. But it's just good to keep going, you know, and, and um, it's not, a, it, as you mentioned, prevention, prevention and protection rather than waiting till you have to hit rock bottom and, you know, and, and look for the cure. It's much easier um, a process. If, if you're going regularly and it's a prevent, preventative measure, then, you know, great. But um, I've also, you know, listened to a few people say about if you break your arm, you go to hospital. Mm. You know, there's there's no stigma around that. It's just uh, well, you've broken your arm. You have to go to hospital. If it's a physical, um, you know, injury, then fine. But if you've got a mental injury and you go to uh, counselling to fix it, uh, you know, it, there's suddenly a stigma around that. And I'm like, well, there's no stigma around if I broke my arm and go to hospital. I wouldn't wouldn't be afraid of saying that. So why is there still the you know the, the, the stigma around uh, uh, the mental health? But I certainly think. That stigma is improving. Yeah, I, I, I believe personally in the dealing in in my experiences, um, you know, the, the, the stigma is there still, but it's becoming a, you know a, a lot better. And companies like yourself who are you know who are promoting it and you know making it become more was well, I don't like to say it in this way, but but become become more normal and more yeah. commonplace. You know, so so there is no stigma around it, and I think companies, as I say, like yourselves, are, are really driving that and driving the agenda. And I certainly am from an from an HR point, and, and yeah, I think it can it can only improve from here. I certainly think it has been improvements, and I think it will continue to do so. Yeah, and I think you know one of the one of the key points that you've touched on a couple of times, just from the advice that you've given, is that, that vulnerability, right? You know, for 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 a manager or for an employee to say you know what? No, I didn't have a very good weekend. And, and just be honest, you know, like you said, that doesn't cost a thing, right? It does not cost a penny, yeah. but it just has a massive impact. And as you say, stigma culture, if, if, if you can almost be a little bit more vulnerable in the workplace. And I think as well, you kind of touched on the, 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 you know, the work that was, if you were the last one out, you were like the best, right. And, and that whole toxic culture of, you know, you need to work more and work more and work more and work more. Do you feel that that's kind of changed? So like the, the nine to five or the nine to nine, I guess, and in some cases, do you feel like that has started to change, you know, as we sort of transition back? Um, I, I definitely think, you know, it, again, it's become more talked about. So I, I do think that there are signs that it, that it can change and I think it needs to change. And I think a lot of employees, if more of the reports I'm reading are saying, I don't want to go back to the office full time, you know, so I'm, I'm working all those hours. I like my work-life balance. Um, so certainly I think that there are some changes. I'm sure you read the recent stories about Goldman's with the, uh, uh, the interns working 95 hour weeks and what have you. And so I don't think, you know, I don't think that there's, it, it's fully there yet at all, 
but the focus on it and and really um you know what the employees are, are wanting and it's certainly the millennials coming through um who are looking for roles they're much far far more than i've ever seen and um, focused on you know the social responsibilities wanting flexibility and what have you so that will certainly i believe drive you know uh, an increase towards that and i think if companies don't offer um you know the support and the flexible flexibility that the people are looking for i think they will have real problems attracting and and retaining employees because people don't want to do it anymore you know and it's a case of so i, I do think there there is some change but um one area i i, I tend to help um help the my clients with is ar- around the whole piece on job design and um you know focusing on outcomes um you know and 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 not not on you know a, a un for you know a union office for 15 hours a day or 16 hours a day or 20 hour days what have you it's not a case of that and it's not the always on it's it's a case of guessing the balance right but being very productive and um you know and and, and get get getting the work done and it's not a case of or well, how did you do it it's a case of you know, the work has been done. I've been very productive, um, and you know, um, and that's all good. And that's where it comes a bit back to partly the, the training of the line managers to say, be very clear, be, be very clear what you want, what you're expecting from your employees, and then let them get on with it. Yeah, I love that. Well, I could talk about this for ages, Steve. Right? Yeah, and absolutely. Yeah, you could as well. And um, one one last question, and this is a bit of a, a selfish question because I'm quite intrigued by that podcast um what's what's the podcast you've been listening to do you remember the the names of them because it'd be good to kind of recommend a couple more as well yeah i mean uh i'm a i, I try and uh, make out that i'm i'm purely business i'm purely business focused on my podcast but i'm certainly not so i try to balance it be, be, between the, the few I, I listen to a few audible books for example uh the miracle morning is something i've just been listening to right. how, uh, how which, is it how yeah, yeah, which is a, a fantastic, um, fantastic book, um, and and something I really like the podcast that the High Performance Podcast by Jay Humphrey. Okay, nice. Um, and yeah, that's um, yeah, he's got yeah, he's, he has some amazing guests, like lots of footballers and that, right? Fantastic, a lot of sports people, but it's certainly not um, just sports people. There's some fantastic business people. I've just listened to the latest one, um, which was with. And I can't remember the lady's name, so I, I won't get it wrong. But she came running up in The Apprentice and set up Tropic Skincare with Alan Sugar. Okay. Um, and it's about her journey and absolutely amazing. So successful, but very humble and what have you. It's really, really good. But the, the, the people they get on are, are really, really um, good. So I, I focus on that quite a lot, um, the high performance. And then I listen to some, um, some others. I, I, I'm biased. I'm from... Uh, I'm from just by Liverpool, from the Wirral. So I listen to some of the people around there. So and um, some of the motivational um, podcasts. So there's one called the Leggett Podcast with uh, and Andy Grant, and uh, he's a gentleman who lost half his leg. Um, he was blown up in Afghanistan um, mm-hmm. when he was serving for the Royal Marines. So I listen to that. They have some really fascinating guests on and. Um, yeah, something uh, yeah that I, re- I really enjoy from that side. But and any business podcast, to be honest, that um that that are out there, I, I t- tend to focus on entrepreneurs or consulting. Um, Michael Zapersky um has one around consulting, and and that's some, certainly something that, that that's really good. 
and any focus on well-being. Health and well-being is something that, you know, fitness industry and um, nutrition is something that really, really um, uh, interests me. So I, I try to listen to that. And then without sounding too boring, uh, I, I do listen to some HR podcasts as well. Nice. It's a good mix there, right? And all of them, all of them come into one. Like they're all, they're all, they, they sound pretty similar to my, um, to mine as well. Um, yeah. So what ones do you listen to? Have you got any, any that you recommend? Podcasts have actually not been listened to as much. I've been listening to a lot of, um, a lot of audio books at the moment. So there's a book that I've been listening to called by Michael Singer. It's called Untethered Soul. Um, a little bit spiritual, but you know, it, it, it simplifies life in my opinion um um just trying to think of some others i've been listening to a there's a business podcast called my first million um and it's literally uh, the reason why i love it is there's these two entrepreneurs and they just take loads of ideas and they just spit them out um and they decipher whether they're going to be a good idea or not and um my mind as an entrepreneur is always coming up with random ideas and the last couple of years i've conditioned myself to not run with every single idea <laughs> and just focus on every mind and that's it. So that podcast kind of allows my mind to just run a little bit wild and, and see all these ideas going, going to into work fruition. out how to, how to, how to run your set up your next business. Eh? Oh yeah. No, no, don't go there, Steve. Cause, cause um, the whole entrepreneur mind, as I'm sure, you know, will see a better opportunity, a better opportunity. And before you know it, you're, 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 you're still in square one. Um, and then I have listened to a couple of, like you say, the high performance podcasts. I think what I like about the way they do that is you look at like performance um, and you actually see the mental health element behind it, right? Like you was kind of saying, you know, yeah. as, as, a, as a high performing athlete, as an example, almost focusing on your mental health and your mindset is almost normalized because for you to perform at that level of, let's say, you know, world-class footballer, you need to make sure this is in the right place because it impacts your performance. And then you look at the workplace and almost we neglect how important that is for performance at work. Right. And, and yeah, I've listened to a couple of those interviews and they're great as well. Yeah. And I just think it's, it's more looking at, at the whole approach and the similarities between sports and business. The, yeah. There's one on the high performance podcast. There's one with Clive Woodward. Uh, and it's absolutely fascinating because he set up a business first, then he obviously moved into um, the, the England rugby team. And, and the similarities and the leadership skills that, that he shows uh, are very similar across both, but it's so interesting. And I think you mentioned before about vulnerability, and it's actually realising that all these hugely, hugely successful people have all failed at different yeah. times, and they all have you know, the, the same vulnerabilities as us all. And I, I know there's a lot of talk about imposter syndrome and what have you, but so many people, you know, have it. And it's just, you know, it, it's just how they manage that. And, and that certainly, uh, you know, comes across in, in, in a lot of the podcasts I listen to. Yeah. And, and just as you were talking, I remember a book I read um, years ago called Bounce um, by Matthew Syed. I just brought it up. Um, it's, called, it's called Bounce. It's the myth of talent and the power of practice. Um, and that book basically looks like, I think it was Mozart, Beckham, Picasso, I think Usain Bolt. And it looks at um, what do they all have in common? Um, and a lot of it was, as you say, the kind of the mindset, failing multiple times, you know, just pushing on um, rituals. You know, David Beckham had a certain ritual before every game to make sure he was in the right headspace. 
Um, and yeah, it's, it's a really interesting book. And I think, as you said, lots of people can learn from that level of performance and bring it back um, sort of into, into the workplace as well. Um, final question, how are you getting on with the Miracle Morning? That's, that's, that's the big one. Yeah, well, I'm quite a morning person, so uh, it's 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 kind of one thing I have found with with a lot of them is that it's not for me. It's not about you know we we've mentioned a number of times in in in, uh, in our chat about um, a personalised approach, and it, I I just try and pick up small hints and tips from as many different sources as I can, mm-hmm. uh, and some will work and some will work and some don't, but. Um, mornings tend not to be uh, an issue for me. The the biggest thing for me is, is getting outside, and obviously without the daily commute and what have you, I have to make sure I get my my time outside um, in order to um, to get through the day, shall we say? But I, I just think it you know it helps so so much. Even even if it's just five minutes, and I've heard people doing fake commutes and what have you. But w- one thing I do in the mornings without fail, regardless of the weather. Um, I just I have it that I get up and I get outside first, um, nice. and and at least it doesn't have to be anything you know any anything huge. I, I, I like the running and I, I do a bit of that, but it's just a case of, of getting outside. So the miracle morning actually isn't too much of a too much of a problem for me. But, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. How about yourself? Do, do, is that something you you look to do? Or I remember I can't remember when I read it. I read it years ago, and um, it's savers, isn't it? So you've got scribing, I think, which is journaling affirmations visualization exercise reading or maybe maybe yes describing i can't remember but it's 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 all of them and and same as you i remember trying it and then thinking this is way too much like every morning (laughs) like um and actually it was just one or two of those that i then as you say embed into my my day mine's the same you know i've got to do a bit of exercise in the morning whether it's just like jumping on you know We've got like a little spin bike in the kitchen at the moment. Perfect, yeah. Or, or like you say, walking my youngest to school, just whatever, just get outside. Um, And yeah, so I don't do, as you say, the whole routine. It's just like one or two that work from the book. Yeah, and I think you know, for me, certainly, and a lot of people I've spoken to, certain things work well. So as you mentioned, journaling and visualisation might work well for you. Mm. And But then for me, I'll be like, it, it just, you know, I've tried it, it didn't really work out, but... But I do enjoy it. I like, for example, meditation or do a bit of yoga or, you know, it's just that whatever works for you, then fine. And and I think it's just going into and approaching all these these different um, different activities just with a very open mind. It yeah. may work, it may not, but, you know, there's no harm in giving it a try. And uh, if it doesn't work, then, then fine. And um, one thing I'm not very good at is if it doesn't work first time, I kind of like, oh, it's, it's it's not going to suit me, but it's giving it you know, a reasonable period to, um, to, to, to work well. Yeah. Amazing. Steve, where can people find out about you and um, the consultancy? Yeah. So um, from my website, basically, um, I mean, I, I'm on LinkedIn. Uh, I'm on quite, quite a lot of social media, LinkedIn, Twitter and what have you, but certainly um, I have a website where everyone can visit. It's www.hearts, which is H-E-R-T-S-H-R, dot um, co.uk and you can awesome. certainly contact me there and it obviously be fascinating and be great to, to hear from anyone and uh, i'm really open to having a having a chat about anything and how i can help and um you know i value to to the business and and, and help in, improve things with employees amazing steve thanks so much for your time i really appreciate it
no problems. No, thank you very much. And a really, really good to speak to you and uh, learn a lot from it. So thanks very much.